reality. The opposite of truth is a lie. And I want to show you a verse to illustrate that. In Acts of the Apostles, chapter 5, we read of the first sin that was judged in the early church. And it was not adultery. It was not murder. It was not stealing. It's not the type of sins that we normally would discipline people in the church for. The first person who was severely disciplined, disciplined with death in the early church, his sin was hypocrisy. And that hypocrisy was called a lie by Peter. Acts chapter 5, we read about Ananias and Sapphira, how they so, you know, this was a time when we read that everybody was selling their houses, Acts 4.34, and bringing the money, laying it to the apostles' feet so that they could share with other believers who were in need, in need around them. Now, God never commanded this, and he hasn't asked anybody to do it today. He never asked anybody to do it at any time. But giving is voluntary, and where people felt like giving, they did it, and they were, there were needy people there and they said, okay, I've got a house, I can sell it and give it to these needy people. Now, so, when all this was happening, when everybody around you is, imagine in, a, in your local church, if everybody around you is selling their houses to show their zeal for God, uh, you don't want to feel left out. You don't want everybody to think that you're not so wholehearted. We all like to give others the impression that I'm just as wholehearted as everybody else. I mean, don't you find that desire in your heart? Particularly if everybody in your church is very zealous about something, you'd like to. Even if you're not so zealous, you'd like everybody to at least have the impression that you are. If everybody around you is pursuing holiness and you're really not doing it, you still would like everybody to think that you are. That's such a common trait in, among Christians. Well, that's exactly how Ananias was and his wife. So they said, hey, we'll look left out out of this. They'll think we're backsliders if we don't sell our property. So they decided to sell their property. And, and they only kept back some of the price we read in Acts 5 to Imagine if they sold their property for $100,000 and they kept back $50,000. And they brought $50,000 to the church to give to God. What would you call a person today? who sold his property for $100,000 and gave $50,000 to God, boy, he'd be considered a wholehearted Christian. But not in the days when people were giving everything. And he never said anything. He just came in the line that was there of people coming and laying their money at the apostles' feet. They were walking up, laying the money and walking out putting the money there and walking out. And Ananias, he didn't open his mouth. He just came, put his money there, and as he was walking out, Peter said, come back. Those apostles had discernment. You couldn't fool them. And look what Peter says to Ananias in Acts 5.3. Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie 
to the Holy Spirit. Ananias could say, I didn't even open my mouth. What do you mean I told a lie? I didn't say a word. I just came and left this and went. What is a lie? This is the first time that the word lie comes in the Acts of the Apostles. The first time you read of lying in the early church. And if you want to understand truth, the truth that will set you free, you have to understand the opposite of it, this lie. To lie, you can lie without opening your mouth. That's what I learn here. To lie is to give an impression to others about my wholeheartedness, which is not true. To give people an impression that I'm more passionate about holiness than I really am in secret. That I'm more passionate about evangelism than I really am. That I'm more passionate about obeying God than I really am that I'm passionate about building my local church than I really am. That's lie. And if we don't cleanse ourselves from that, we're liars. Somebody asked me once, why don't we have this type of thing happening today? Ananias is falling dead. I said, there'll be hardly anybody left in the church if it happens today. Because there's so much of hypocrisy so much of lying. It's not adultery that's the big sin in the church. It doesn't matter if we don't have so many miracles. I told you in the beginning that people who experience miracles every day for 40 years, God was not well pleased with them. But here was a man who never did one miracle and God was well pleased with him, Jesus. What did he have? Complete freedom from lying. He said, I am the truth. That type of life where there's zero hypocrisy, zero pretense, zero trying to impress men, was not possible under the old covenant. And if you want to see how much of it there is in us, we have to be very honest. Truth, as I said, is found in God's word and in Jesus Christ. So if you want to understand truth, you must know God's word well and know the earthly life of Jesus clearly. If you concentrate on these things, you'll understand the truth and it'll really liberate you. It'll liberate you from 101 things that you're probably a slave to which you don't even realize. Truth as it's found in God's word and as I see it, I must be honest enough to face it. That is the truth that can set me free from pretense. Let me give you one example of how we can be in bondage without knowing it. See, everything I say is from my own experience. I've gone through failure, mistakes, defeat, and discovered the hard way how to come into a life of overcoming as God wants. Whenever we, <clears throat> those of you who, if you've ever prayed in public, you know, say you're in a gathering of yours, it could be a small group of five people or a large church, and you pray in public as we often do. Have you ever 
examine yourself thereafter, after you've gone home. Lord, how much of that prayer was directed to you? And how much of that prayer was just to impress the people who were in that gathering? Have you ever asked yourself, I used to ask myself and I discovered that almost zero was to God. I was more conscious of all the people around me and I was praying, uh, basically saying things that were all correct language and write the right requests and all, but it was not directed to God. It was I was far more conscious of the people who were listening to me than God Almighty. But I was saying, oh God. And I'd say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'd repent. I'd repent of my prayer. Have you ever repented of your prayer that you prayed in public? Lord, I'm sorry. Not one bit of that prayer was directed to you. I was just more conscious of the people around me the whole time. The thing is, a lot of people don't even realize that's a sin. And so I would repent and then I would pray again at some other time in some public meeting. Again, I'd go back and I'd repent and say, Lord, I still didn't make it. I got zero. I wasn't even bothered whether the prayer was answered. It was just a nice, nice pious thing to do. You know, just like when we start a meeting or... I mean, what's the right pious thing to do when we start a meeting? The right religious thing is to pray, right? <laughs> It'd be terrible if you had a meeting without, if you didn't open with prayer. It's just a formality. I mean, we don't even expect God to do anything about it, whether we pray or not. We're not dependent on Him. That prayer is not an expression of helpless dependence. Oh God, please help us, otherwise we're not going to go through this meeting with your power. No, <clears throat> it's a formality. <clears throat> It's downright hypocrisy. <clears throat> and so what happened? Over a period of time, I'd keep on confessing, confessing, confessing. And gradually, I became more and more free. More and more free from being conscious of people when I prayed. My goal was to come to that place where whether I was praying with a thousand people there or one person there, I would be praying to God. <clears throat> what I'm asking is, do you have that passion to be completely free from lying? Now, you wouldn't call that lying, right? But that's what Peter called Ananias' pretense. What did Ananias want to do? <clears throat> Pretend that he was wholehearted. Just like we passionately pray so that people will see that we're wholehearted. Are you trying to impress God or men? We may not think that's a serious thing. It's worse than cancer, I'll tell you that. Believe it or not, if there's a lack of progress in your Christian life, if you're not getting close to God, if you don't find supernatural power in your life, to fill your heart with joy 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, the reason could be here. 
If you're finding problems in your family, in your church that you're not able to solve, the problem could be here. There's lying. The complete opposite of Christ who said, I'm the truth. And God doesn't force us. He doesn't force us to give up any sin. He, he'll, he lets, you know, for example, if a believer is driving his car to commit adultery with somebody, he's not going to get a flat tire. Why is that? Why doesn't God stop him? God's given man complete freedom. He's given a believer complete freedom. You want to go and commit adultery? Go right ahead. You want to be a hypocrite in the church to get some honor for yourself? Go right ahead. I'm not going to stop you. The Holy Spirit will convict us if we are eager, if we have got a passionate desire to be completely truthful. We all think we are pretty honest. I don't think anybody would sit here and think I'm a bit of a dishonest person. But if you ask the Holy Spirit to show you, you'll discover what a lot of dishonesty there is, which the world doesn't consider dishonesty. I mean, the world's standard of dishonesty is so low that we're all pretty honest people. But when Jesus says, I am the truth, then you realize there's a lot of dishonesty in all of us. Lying. In the Old Testament, <clears throat> let me show you a verse in the book of Exodus. In Exodus chapter 28, you know the Old Testament tabernacle and all its fittings and everything had a spiritual meaning. And even Aaron's, Aaron is a high priest who is a picture of Christ. And even his clothes had a spiritual meaning. You know, for example, he carried the names of 12 tribes of Israel on his breastplate. And that's a picture of how the Lord carries our names on his heart. But here's something else in Exodus 28 in Aaron's dress. Uh, the clothes he wore, his garments. It says here in Exodus 28 that he had to have a, a turban. And verse 36, Exodus 28, 36, the Lord told Moses, you must make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it, holy to the Lord. It means completely holy. It was to be written on his, on a gold plate on his forehead. And that had to be fastened uh, on a blue cord and shall be on the turban, at the front of the turban. Verse 37. And this shall be on Aaron's forehead. And Aaron shall take away the iniquity of the holy things. Have you ever heard of the iniquity of the holy things? Now, the sin and the sinful things we all understand. But sin in the holy things? Sin in prayer? Sin in preaching? Sin right inside the church and the singing. There's a lot of sin in the holy things. For example, we just sang that song, All to Jesus I Surrender. And we can sing it in such a moving way and there could be whole areas in our life that are not surrendered. Take 
my life and let it be. That's a lovely song, but it's a very difficult song to sing. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Wow. You think the people singing that are the most wholehearted people in the world. Really? Have you ever sung it? Take my voice and let me sing, always only for my king. I don't know whether we take seriously the songs we sing. I often say Christians tell more lies to God on Sunday morning than on any other day of the week with all the songs they sing. How do I know? I did it myself. That's how I know. There are times when I've been in a church service which I'm not leading. Somebody else is leading and we're singing a song. With a song usually in the olden days, you know, with a song book. And they're singing a particular song. And because it's such a familiar song to me, I've sung hundreds of times. I don't even need to look at the book. I sing through it. I know the melody. I know the words. And by the time I come to the end of the song, they okay, they announce the next song. And I suddenly realize when they've announced the next song, I say, Lord, I didn't even mean those words I just sang. I didn't pay attention to the words I just sang. I was so familiar with it. So while they're singing the next song, I turn back to the old one and I go through the words. I'm not singing the next song. I say, Lord, I want to, I'm sorry for just singing this in such a casual, meaningless way to you, Almighty God, without any reverence. And I slowly go through the words of that song again. And I say, Lord, I want to mean it. This is the battle I have had in my life with lying. And I've determined with all my heart to be free from it. And I'm just giving you a little examples of how I've really sought to be free. And it's made a world of difference in my life. Because as I've sought to be free from every form of lying and pretense in my life, in these little, little areas, just dealing with, it's just me and God. I mean, nobody around me in that church knew that I didn't mean what I sang or I was just singing along with everybody else. I think most of the people around me were not meaning it either because they're familiar songs, you know. When we sing a song we've never heard before, that really strikes us. The words, boy, that's something in it. But the familiar ones, we are in danger of lying. And sometimes we don't even think what I'm, what we're saying when we say not a Not a mite will I withhold, O God. Everything is yours. Really? Take my voice and let me sing always only for my king. And many other words like that. All to Jesus I surrender. And that is why, my brothers and sisters, why in many areas we are missing out on God's best. There's iniquity in our holy things. And Jesus, like Aaron, says, to take it away. Jesus has come to take it away. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we have to confess it. But because we live in the midst of people who are living at the same low standard we are in, 
we don't seem to be convicted of these things. You know, a person who's got a very unhygienic, dirty lifestyle can go and live in a slum and feel quite comfortable because everybody around him is like that. And I personally think a lot of Christianity is a slum. There's a lot of lying. There's a lot of dishonesty. There's a lot of pride. There's a lot of selfishness. And yet they've all got the right doctrines. And that they think because we're evangelical in doctrine, so much of argument among Christians is about doctrine. And we'll discover when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ that he's not going to give us a doctrinal questionnaire to see whether we got all our answers right. He's going to look at our life. And we may discover in that day that some people whom we looked down upon because their doctrines were not right, perhaps among Roman Catholics, we may discover that they are ahead of us in God's kingdom despite some of their errors in doctrine. Because though their head was wrong, their heart was right. And ours, our head was right and our heart was wrong. Man looks on the outward appearance and God looks at the heart. And so, this is so important to value truth in every area. We are in bondage because we don't know the truth, first of all, about ourselves. Let me show you another verse which I often call one of the scariest verses in the New Testament. It's my perception. The scariest verses in the New, one of the scariest verses in the New Testament, Second Thessalonians chapter 2. In Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11, we are told that God himself will deceive certain people. Is it possible that God himself will allow you to be deceived? Listen to this. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they might believe what is false. Now, we've always had the impression that God is always out to get people to believe what is true. But here's what God's word says, that he will purposely make people believe what is false. That God is out to get some people to believe what is a lie. Really? To believe what is a lie. To believe what is false. Why does God do that? Why in the world would God allow somebody to believe something that's false? That means, for example, to believe he's born again when he's not born again. To believe he's filled with the Holy Spirit just because he spoke in tongues. To believe that. And to live all his life in that delusion. God will allow him to believe it. To believe that a person has got some supernatural gift which he doesn't have. He's got a counterfeit. God will allow people to believe that they are holy when they're not. That scares me. I tell you it scares me. And to me that's one of the scariest verses in the Bible. I say, Lord, is it possible I'm fooling myself that I'm born again? That I'm fooling myself that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? 
that I'm fooling myself that I'm holy when I'm not, that I'm fooling myself that I'm building the church Jesus is building when I'm maybe building my own empire. Lord, open my eyes. Who are the people, Lord, you deceive like that? That's the category I don't want to be in. Now listen to this. God will send upon them. Who are the them? That's what I want to know. I don't want to be in that group. Verse 10. It speaks about the activity of Satan in verse 9. In the last days, Satan is going to come with powers and signs and false wonders. Please remember that. We're living in that time. False miracles. With all the deception of wickedness. For those who perish. Why? This is a very important statement here. Because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. Just listen to that expression. The love of the truth so as to be saved. If I don't receive the love of the truth to be saved, the Bible says God will send upon me a strong delusion so that I will believe what is false. There's no partiality with God. It doesn't say, well, if you're a believer, you'll sort of escape that. It's like the law of gravity. If you jump off the roof of a building, the law of gravity is not going to first check up whether you're a believer or not. It doesn't matter. It just It's exactly the same way it will operate on you, whether you're spirit-filled or born-again or unbeliever or atheist. The law of gravity is universal. It's like that, God's laws. He will deceive those who don't love the truth. Well, you say, I'm a believer. But you don't love the truth when God's trying to show you something about yourself? Maybe in a, in a service like this, God speaks something to your heart and you, you're not willing to face up to it? Because you think you're so spiritual and you're giving everybody else the impression that you're so spiritual, you're not willing to face up to the fact that you're a hypocrite of the first order. You don't love the truth. I tell you, brother, you're a candidate for deception. Not by the devil, but by God himself. The Bible says the devil's a deceiver. He's against me. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, my lusts are deceitful. My lusts are out to deceive me. The devil's out to deceive me. The world is full of people who are out to deceive me. My only hope is if Almighty God, my Father, will protect me from deception. But if God himself turns around, also joins all these other people to deceive me, I'm doomed. I'm finished. There's no hope for me. And I can be as deceived and think I'm right, like the way thousands of years man thought that the sun goes around the earth. And man was absolutely convinced. They could say, I believe what I see. The sun goes around the earth and they were wrong. That is how easily we can be fooled. What's the solution? How shall we escape that deception? It's very simple. Love the truth and seek to be saved. Love the truth first of all about yourself. When the Holy Spirit shows you something, be honest and face up to it.
I told you how I kept on repenting of praying to seek the honor of men. I'd go before God and say, Lord, that's the truth. I sought honor there. I'm sorry. And it happened again and again and again for years. But I said, Lord, I'm determined to be free from it. And when God sees that you're really determined to be free, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The Lord says, you shall seek me and find me, not when you seek me whole half-heartedly. But when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Jeremiah 29, 13. And it's like that. If you're willing to say, Lord, I want to know all the truth about myself. How many of you would seriously say that? Lord, I want to know all the truth about myself. I've said that many times to God. I said, Lord, I don't want any surprises at the judgment seat of Christ. I want zero surprises. I don't want you to tell me at the judgment seat of Christ that there's something in me which I did not know when I was on the earth. Why didn't you tell me when I was on the earth? Because I was unwilling to listen? Because I did not love the truth about myself? May it never be. I am determined that when I stand at the judgment seat of Christ, there will be nothing that God has to show me, which I did not discover when I was on the earth, of selfishness, pride, love of money, subtle things where, which I can imagine I'm free from just because I happen to be better than others. You see, if everybody in a class is getting 2% and 3% and 4% in mathematics, and I get 10%, I'm pretty good. That's how a lot of Christians are. They think they're spiritual because they're better than most other people in their church. So what? Jesus said, I am the truth. How do we compare when we line up with him? Is it possible that there could be so many things in our life where, about which it has to say, God is not well pleased? And we congratulate ourselves because God's using us and giving us a word and we know this and we're getting revelation on this verse and that verse. But we are not free from lying. The sin of Ananias and Sapphira. I've often felt that if Ananias and Sapphira, if Ananias was in the church in Corinth, he'd have been an elder, right? Because he's pretty good compared to the others in Corinth. The problem was he was in the wrong church. He was in that fiery church in Jerusalem. And you know that. You can go to some third-rate church and you can be an elder there. But you come to a church where the fire of God is burning like anything you you'd be considered the most carnal, backslidden believer. It depends on which company you are in. Dear brothers and sisters, let's learn to love the truth with all of our hearts. God's word is the truth, and Christ is the truth. So I think of these two. When I look at my life in comparison to Jesus Christ, and I seek to do that, every day of my life to compare my life with Christ's. And I see areas in my life where I'm not 100% truth. 
In the same way, God's word is the truth. When I read something in God's word, which is not what I have always believed. You know, all of us have got a doctrinal mold in which you have grown up. The particular church we grew up in or the particular teacher whom we admired listening to, a doctrinal mold. And one day I read the scripture and I find some of those things I believed are not exactly like it says in scripture. Am I willing to change my mind and view and say I was wrong all these years? I was wrong for 35 years, but now I see this is what God's word says. That is loving the truth. But I find very few people who have the moral courage to take that stand and say, I was wrong there. I've now discovered through careful study of the word that that is not what God's word teaches, even though 99% of people in my church believe it and practice it. That's not what God's word teaches, and I'm willing to stand different. I remember when God began to open my eyes to the new covenant and many of the glorious truths that changed my life 37 years ago. One of the things God asked me was this. I was in India. And uh, are you willing to stand for this truth even if everybody, every Christian in this country, that was India, says you're wrong and will consider you a heretic? I said, yes. I said, Lord, I've seen it. I've studied your word carefully and you've given me revelation and it's changed my life. I will stand for it. And it came pretty much to that in the early days. Are you willing to stand? I want to ask you that direct question. Are you willing to stand for something which you have carefully studied God's word and seen to be the truth, even though most of the Christians you know don't believe it? Or do you find your comfort in saying, well, there are a number of people who believe this, so I suppose I must be right. That is a mistake the people in the wilderness made. They thought 10 out of the 12 spies must be right. And that's how they missed God's will. God was not well pleased with them. Very often, God will bring you and me to the place where he sees whether we are willing to trust him and stand true to him, even when most of our other fellow believers disagree with us. Because they don't love the truth like you do. May God help you to take the right decision at that time. And perhaps that time may come to you this weekend. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we bow before you, we pray that you'll help us to see what a tremendous price you paid to purchase us, to make us what you want us to be, completely conformed to the image of Christ, our Lord. Please help us, Lord, let the light of God shine from heaven brightly in our midst in these days. We humbly ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we are going to take a break, uh, five to ten minutes, and when you hear the uh, uh, songs here, that's the time for everyone to come back. And before we take that break, I want to explain, um, we have three uh, DVD, uh, actually two DVDs and uh, 
uh, one um, MP3 CD out there for sale. So the MP3 CD is it's actually through the Bible. It's uh, 70 hours. Um, this is an MP3 CD. You can just put it in your MP3 player. You can play it, or you can copy it to your computer and then play it from there. And the the other the two DVDs. This is the uh, verse by verse. Or what? Uh, by the way, I'm Brother Benoit from a Ravens Ministry, and I know several of you uh, contacted me for books and CDs. And uh, it's great to see you. If you just come and say hi to me, if you. Uh, uh, we have talked in the email or uh, phone, but we never talked on in face, so please uh, come and say hi to me. So the verse-by-verse verse, uh, DVD, this is not a DVD you can play in a DVD player. This is a data DVD. That means you can copy to your computer. You have all those files in your computer. Then you can use it on your iPod or um, iTouch or whatever uh, music device that you um, use. So, so this is a data DVD. Same thing with this is the last days. You have... 300 messages by Zach um, compiled um, and uh, several messages and you have uh, everything in one place. So this is also a data DVD. This is not a DVD that you can play on your DVD player. Please note that. This is all, these two are $10 and through the Bible it's $5. And also if you find any CDs that you buy today and just any kind of problems, Please contact me. All the contact information here. Sometimes when we make uh, CDs, uh, um, it, you know, CDs could be go wrong with something. I won't be able to test everything. So please uh, uh, let me know. And one more announcement is: if you are here today, and if you wanted to be, if you are from a place, and if you wanted uh, other people who in your locality to contact you for. Um, fellowship and for uh, um, getting together and please when you go back there is a list there say uh, put your name and your uh, town you are from and the state and your uh, email and phone number so we can facilitate it. if other people from your area if they wanted to meet or just wanted to encourage one another great opportunity uh, this is a time for us to um, for you know you can find out other people from your locality so there is a, when you go back there please ask for the list so we'll take a, a 10 minutes break and uh, when you hear the music here please come back thank you <clears throat> <clears throat> 